0: Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 206. I'm Kip Clark.
1: And I'm Morgan Jaffe.
0: And today's episode is going to be a continuation of our series for non-gamers, In which we approach topics related to gaming that honestly are applicable beyond the realm of gaming and shouldn't be too difficult to listen to, even if you've never played a video game. And in particular, today we're going to be looking at the idea of esports, in which video game players, often for money, accolades, and other acknowledgments, are competing. And the esports industry has expanded tremendously in recent years, and a lot of prizes are many millions of dollars. The audience is there, the attention is there, and frankly, experts expect it to grow. And Morgan, I think it might make the most sense to begin with a thought experiment, if you will, for both you and I, as well as the listeners. I want you to think for a moment about what sports do for people, rather than what we perceive sports to be, or how we define a sport. I think we'd all agree that, in somewhat general terms, sports allow us, as spectators, to enjoy spectacular human feats, be they independent, competitive, or cooperative. They allow us to put ourselves in the shoes of players and share in their struggles and accomplishments. And although language is built upon boxes and borders to help us define things, I don't find it outrageous that the definition could expand to include gaming.
1: To be honest, I agree with you. I think that when it comes to sports, we as spectators are there to watch. We're there to be entertained. And we're almost there to throw ourselves in emotionally. And a lot of the time, we're watching a game like baseball or hockey or basketball. Something that we might enjoy to do. Something we might do, in fact, in our free time. But that doesn't necessarily mean we could do it on a professional level. That doesn't mean we love the sport any less. That just means that we're having someone else do it, but we're still fully invested. And so I agree with you that video games are just as much a professional sport as, quote unquote, real sports, because whether it's a video game or a traditional sport, it's something I might enjoy doing. But that doesn't mean I feel like I can be competitive enough to do it professionally. I can still have nostalgic memories and want to root for a team or a player. But that's different than saying, well, I'm also going to go and try to be on the field. Or I'm also going to go and try to play this game. And so I think that video games and more traditional sports have a ton of similarities. But for some reason, video games aren't taken seriously. A lot of it is because they come with this stereotype. The article that you and I read, which we'll include the link to in our show notes, talks about how video games don't have the same stereotype that they used to have. It's no longer just a person playing in the dark in their basement. In the professional video game world, there's now a crowd. There's someone cheering for them. It's a more interactive experience. That might not be what mainstream America thinks of when they think of video games. The old stereotype might still be true. And because of that, I don't think people will take professional video games seriously anytime soon.
0: Strange as it might be to hear coming out of my mouth... I'm glad that you reference stereotypes because that does help explain this rift between sports and so-called esports. You mentioned the stereotype of gamers playing in the dark, and I also picture sports often being played, if not during daylight hours, under intense lighting where everything is fully visible. And on a primitive, almost evolutionary level, our associations with dark and light are pretty obvious and we tend to stray away from anything or anyone that isn't properly lit another stereotype that i think sets the two apart is that sports in many cases are social you might socialize with players you're playing against even if the sport is a bit more independent or if not the obvious fact remains that many sports have teams and while the same is true of esports I imagine that most people, perhaps over a certain age, would hear about professional gamers and think, I'm going to reward someone with my money or advertising dollars for spending lots of time alone, potentially even being antisocial? And that's where I would step in and say that that's a misunderstanding, and that a lot of money tied to gaming currently actually operates through streaming sites like Twitch, where personalities will play games and very passionate viewers will tip them or donate depending on your perspective, paying very clearly to watch someone play and also engaging with them in a chat window alongside the gameplay footage. So it's not only a social practice, but in ways that athletes can't quite accomplish, there are a lot of gamers online who are thoroughly involved and invested with very massive audiences.
1: At the end of the day, it's all just a niche. If we're going with the idea of stereotypes, then you have your stereotypically jock people who are the ones interested in more traditional sports. Obviously, you and I both know that other people can be interested in sports. For example, I would never consider myself a jock, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy watching traditional sports. In the same way, that stereotype still exists where people who aren't athletic or might be, dare I say, nerdy or more interested in video games. But that's not always true. There are many different types of video games. At the end of the day, though, it all exists with strategy. Whether you're doing a traditional sport and need to plan what sort of play you're going to make, or whether you're playing alone on a video game versus a competitor, there's still strategy to it. And I also feel like there are examples where someone may or may not consider something to be a sport. Is NASCAR a sport? Arguably yes and arguably no. In the same way that video games have strategy in a traditional sport like basketball has a strategy, NASCAR also has a strategy. But in the same way some may say video games can't be a sport, it's just someone sitting there and clicking and moving a mouse, you could also argue that NASCAR is not a sport. It's someone sitting there and moving a steering wheel. But does that mean I can professionally do NASCAR? Absolutely not. I remember when I was in college There was a Quidditch team, and it felt very silly to me. I had friends on it, and they would compete, and they did very well, but I never thought of it as being an actual sport. But why not? They were doing a lot of physical activity. They were running and throwing balls. There was strategy to it, but it felt too out of the norm to me to be considered a real sport. I imagine it's how people used to think of ultimate frisbee, which takes a lot of endurance and strength and planning. I don't know if newness is a factor here, but I imagine that with Ultimate Frisbee or Quidditch or video games, newness is probably a factor because it doesn't have that same history with it or nostalgia with it. Whereas someone might talk about going in the backyard and playing catch with their dad, you're not going to hear that as much necessarily with a video game. Video games tend to be seen as something for children, and I don't think that's fair. As someone who doesn't play video games regularly, but understands that they take a lot of skill, I don't think you can just say, well, this is something for kids. I think it can also be for kids, but t-ball can be for kids, which isn't to say that baseball can't be. There's a lot of different ways that things can be considered sports.
0: You're spot on to make reference to recency, and gaming, depending on how you define it, is less than a century old, which is not true of a great many sports. Hockey, for example, is many hundreds of years old, and so many people would say, well, there's no comparison there. Tradition makes something strong and is almost a chorus of approval across time. Many different generations agreed we should continue to play this and teach it to future generations, where some people might currently see video games as a fad or a trend or, as you said, something associated with children. And relatedly, I think one reason this question or topic would unsettle some people is because sports have typically been approached by and associated with masculine attitudes or personalities. Obviously, the world has changed, but I think when most of us think of stereotypical sports fans, we picture not only men, but certain stereotypical men. And at least that's true for me. But as always, listeners, if you have different experiences, let us know. But to continue, Bringing in some element that does not echo that identity of masculinity is a challenge to the identity itself. And frankly, I think that's healthy, that identity should be challenged. If it's a strong one, it will hold. And I would argue that if it's even stronger, it will embrace and adapt. Because the world is changing, will continue to change, and even with certain more traditionally beloved sports like football, a lot of people are currently considering certain things like health risk. So the world of sports is changing, and in a way that I don't think has to exclude different definitions.
1: I agree. When people think of and try to define a sport, it tends to be, again, what we traditionally think of as a sport. But sometimes it's smart to think outside the box. Because at the end of the day, yes, while someone who's playing baseball might throw and hit a ball or someone playing basketball might pass and dribble and shoot, someone playing a video game is still going to have to do a set of steps in order to win, in order to compete, in order to be successful. It might not be what we typically think of, but there's still a set goal and certain steps you need to take to get there. In a lot of ways... You could still think of it as having to do a lot of the same skills, because I think what we're forgetting is that some video games are, in fact, traditional sports in video game format. If someone's going to make the argument of why is someone going to watch someone play a video game, can't you make the same argument of why are you going to watch someone play a sport instead of do it yourself? Which is not to say that instead of playing a video game, someone should go do the physical activity. There are some games that exist that I wouldn't want anyone to do in the real world, particularly shooting games. But in the same way of, if I'm going to watch a soccer game, someone could argue, why don't you just go play soccer? I think instead, the argument for video games could be, instead of watching, why don't you go play them yourself? I think that a lot of people have this mentality of seeing someone do an activity or have completed a project and then say, well, I could do that. Like if someone goes into an art museum, looks at a picture on the wall and says, well, I could do that. But here's the thing. Did you? Are you going to? And are you going to also then put yourself out there to have it submitted to the museum and say, I want this up on the wall? I feel like video games get a bad rep, but there's a certain level of skill that goes into them that I or others may not necessarily have. It might not be what we traditionally think of when we think of skill, but it's definitely there
0: especially with that art museum example i'm glad you bring up spectatorship and dare i say the temptations or dangers of spectatorship certainly for some people they will say that they are content being a spectator but a part of me wonders if it doesn't eventually lead to some stagnations i think life is something to be sought out and lived obviously it's not always safe And certainly there are limitations in place that make it difficult for some people or impossible to imitate certain tasks. But in the same way that concerned parents worry their kids are only playing video games or watching TV, whatever form of media you might consider to be addictive and alluring, I also would say if someone's only watching anything, I suspect there might be an imbalance there. And that what's beautiful about observation is that it can inform future action, maybe even show you what you want to do. But if there are people who only ever observe, I feel like they're missing out on something. And certainly I'll come back to the idea that you can't imitate everything you see, but it's really profound and compelling when you see something you'd at least like to try on whatever scale or level of expertise.
1: And at the end of the day, whether it's watching someone play a traditional sport or watching someone play a video game, it's about enjoyment. If I'm going to enjoy watching a game, whether it's video or not, then why not enjoy myself in that time period? Why question if this constitutes as being a real thing to do? If it brings me enjoyment, then I should enjoy myself. And who knows what it inspires? Watching someone play a video game might inspire me to go to more events, or it might inspire me to play video games on my own, or it might inspire me to do the very activity that they're doing in that video game. Who's to say? And the same could be said for a traditional sport. Watching a basketball game might inspire me to go and watch more live basketball games. It might inspire me to go and practice and play basketball. But if you're going to enjoy it, don't try to overthink it. Just enjoy it. I don't understand why there has to be so much judgment around whether or not a video game can count as an actual competition. Because anything at the end of the day can be a competition. There's competition in card games. There can be competition in cooking. There's competition in reality TV. People love competing. They love being told that they're the best and that they can achieve or try to achieve being the best. And at the end of the day, that's what makes video games and traditional sports so similar.
0: And I really appreciate that stance because my final thought on the topic is that gaming arguably could use investigators, people who are curious to understand it, whereas with other sports, I'll take football as an example, there isn't necessarily a need for cultural advocacy because they have mainstream popularity and are almost inherently seen as relevant. In recent years, there have even been political crossovers in the world of sports because traditional sports are so present in our media and in our cultural dialogue, but that's not quite the case for gaming. And so ultimately, I'll be really interested to see if any listeners are convinced or particularly skeptical or anywhere in between. But before we conclude this episode, Morgan, what would you like the audience to think about further after listening to our conversation?
1: I have two questions. One, how do you like to compete? Is it more of a physical feat that you like to do? Or is it planning and strategy? My other question for our listeners is, do you need skill in order to compete? And do you need skill in order to be competitive?
0: And for this topic, I really only have one final point I'd like listeners to ponder on. And that is the relationship between money and what we think is legitimate. Certainly, we often look at people that way. But if esports wasn't currently a market worth millions, would you as a listener consider it less legitimate than other sports? And conversely, would you enjoy some of the sports you might watch on TV if they didn't have the advertising or production budgets that they currently do? Do you think that affects the way you enjoy those sports that you could arguably play, as Morgan had said, or even watch on a much lower budget? But as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we're certainly not the only two people who exist in this at times competitive and playful world, so we'd really love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com, and if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to the show as well as supporting us on Patreon where in exchange for your support, you'll receive exclusive perks like bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.
1: And I'm Morgan Jaffe. See you next time.